Hey y'all, my name is Shaylon Lonnie, and I'm the host for the podcast Dear Gen Z. It is 3.45 p.m. on September 6th, 2021, five days before the anniversary of 9-11, and since August 15th, the Taliban has taken control of Afghanistan, and the Afghani president, Ashraf Ghani, has fled the country. Millions of people have been displaced, thousands of people are fleeing the country, and overall, it is one big shit show. So, I'm here to break down what's really going on in Afghanistan, who is to blame for Afghanistan, and who is profiting off of the war in Afghanistan that is slowly coming to a painful end, and who is really paying the price for the mistakes of Americans, uh, the UK, and the media alike. But before we get into the timeline of how this all started, I want to go over a little bit of a story. This is a story about a 17-year-old boy named Zakir Anwari. And just like most of us listening to this podcast, or maybe you who is listening to this podcast, Zakir loves sports. In particular, he loves soccer. In fact, he was a part of the national youth football team for Afghanistan. He played at an exceptionally high level in his country and had hopes and dreams of being a professional footballer one day. But recently with the Taliban attacks and the Taliban taking control of Kabul, his soccer dreams are slowly starting to fade. As the Taliban does not allow for, you know, people to play soccer, Zakir felt, you know, pressured and he felt that his dreams were slipping away. So, just like hundreds of thousands of other people in Kabul and Afghanistan, he rushed to the airport to seek safety and to seek to find a flight back to America. Although he couldn't afford a ticket, he thought that if he squeezed his way through and maybe just snuck on a plane or something like that, he could come to America and you know pursue his dream of becoming a football player. And that's, that's exactly what he did. He went on an airstrip, he snuck onto the US Air Force airstrip and basically chased down one of the planes. He went on the landing gear, uh, which was kind of the only place where you could grab hold of an airplane <laughs> He held on for dear life um, on that airplane. As it was going 120 miles per hour, I could only imagine, you know, the, the fear that he had in his in his mind, or maybe even the the happiness or joy knowing that maybe he'll get a taste of freedom away from the Taliban taking his dream away. But unfortunately, that 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 fear and that happiness did not last long as the plane took off. But you know, as it got farther and farther up the landing gear tends to, to go away. You know, it goes back into the plane. And so he lost his grip and he fell to his death. This just kind of shows you the, the gravity of the situation that people in Afghanistan are in. Kids are clinging to airplanes that are going 120 miles per hour and are going faster than that in the air and falling off and are willing to fall off to their deaths in order to just get a little bit of freedom away from this country. Women in Kabul are killing themselves because they don't want the Taliban to control them, to sell them into sex slavery, or to you know not even allow them to go outside in public without a man being there to help them on the way. And it's simply crazy to think that someone my age of 17 who had so much opportunity, who had so much potential to be a, a great person in this life, you know, can just it, it just it's just all wasted away just because of some decision or of some 
people or some outside force uh, just making them make that decision. And, you know, I, I pray for these people. I really do pray for the people of, of Afghanistan. I really pray for the people who are in this situation. I pray for the for the Americans that are in that are stuck in Kabul right now. I pray for the Afghanis who are stuck in Kabul right now. I pray for, you know, the children that are stuck in, uh, in, in, in Afghanistan right now. And it's it's really sad to see that the situation is just not getting better and that it is almost exclusively America's fault. And we're going to break that down in this episode and see how exactly the Afghanistan war was, was created, how it was mishandled, how it was privatized, and how the evacuation of Afghanistan and the pulling out the, that America did was just wrong. And it was, it was done poorly, and it's a combination of a lot of things, but we're going to go into each and every one of those things. So let's get into it. First thing to kind of go over is, is, is the timeline of this whole Afghanistan war, Afghanistan crisis, that you can call it. So the timeline I think that we should start with begins in 9-11, where 9-11 happens, you know, it's devastating. Uh, the president at the time is George W. Bush, and basically people are mad. They're, you know, they're scared, they're filled with grief, and they're angry at the Taliban, they're angry at the government, they're angry at everything, and they just want to go and kill terrorists, which is totally valid. And I, I would have felt the same way if I was if I was a leader during the time of 9-11. And that's exactly what we did. You know, George, George W. Bush goes straight into Afghanistan. And the problem is that we did not have an evacuation plan for Afghanistan. We had no way of getting out after we, you know, basically bombed their country and got rid of the terrorist threat actually in 2003 and you know ultimately killed Osama you know years later but at that point you know we we'd pushed out terrorist forces out of Afghanistan by 2003 we didn't have a good evacuation plan we did not have a plan of action for us to either come back home or to stay but we ultimately chose to stay and a lot of people were against this or some people were against it, sorry, but a lot of people were for it. They were for, you know, eradicating the terrorist threat that was going on um, in, in the Middle East in general. But some people wanted to stay. And they said, you know, we, we'd done our job. We had gotten rid of most of the terrorist threat. We were, you know, looking for Osama bin Laden, all that stuff, right? But we chose to stay. We chose to rebuild Afghanistan as a country. And this is where we get dragged into 20 years of long-ass war uh, in the Middle East and in Afghanistan specifically. Over 150,000 people have died since that time, since we've gone and invaded Afghanistan. 150,000 people, American soldiers have died. And it's all because we, we just had no evacuation plan. We had no way to get out of Afghanistan once we started invading it. So while this is all happening, there's... There's so much, you know, more to just invading Afghanistan and doing all this stuff. We wanted to, A, rebuild Afghanistan's government. We wanted to, B, rebuild Afghanistan in general. And we wanted to invest in, in, in their military and their, in their economy and all that stuff, right? So we brought in multiple governments. We brought in a whole different, we could do a whole another episode on just how we kind of tried to rebuild Afghanistan. But I'll, I'll make it short. Um... Basically, a lot of companies started to privatize the war, is what I'm trying to say. Um, gas companies, 
airplane companies that kind of that kind of supported the military over there you know Boeing etc a lot of military companies that were privatized and under government contracts to go out there in Afghanistan and basically like you know rebuild Afghanistan's army their government etc um, they were all getting paid for this um, so honestly it was in their private interest to keep the Afghanistan war going and who else also promoted the Afghanistan war and kind of you know promoted off of and, and, and benefit off of the Afghanistan war was the media. The media was a big culprit in helping, you know, people who were, you know, for the war and who wanted to go and eradicate the terrorists and um, and just basically overkill and, and, and rebuild the, the country, all that stuff. They were given a lot of airtime, whereas people who, you know, didn't really support that and just wanted to go in and kill terrorists and then come back, um, you know, once, once the job was done, they didn't get a lot of airtime. And actually, a lot of people got death threats for saying, for saying things about the Afghanistan war. An example of this is, is Barbara Lee, who, who kind of voted against uh, rebuilding Afghanistan. And uh, she was the only person in the whole uh, Senate or Congress, I can't remember right now, but she was the one person who didn't want to, um, to basically rebuild Afghanistan. She wanted to invade and then just come back. But she had to get you know around-the-clock bodyguard service just because she said those things. Uh, and the media kind of like terrorized her, uh, the you know the public terrorized her, things like that. So there was a lot of high tension when talking about the Afghanistan war, and the American government, you know, they kind of privatized, almost privatized, and were it was in their private interest and it was in their mutual interest to keep the to keep the war going just to make more money, right? So, I mean. That's all happening from what 2003, 2001 until all the way until you know now, which is 2021. So that's that's a long ass time for government contracts to 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 happen, for military to be built, um, government to be established. So what the fuck happened when you know we started to pull out and in a week the whole fucking Afghanistan is taken over by the Taliban? How did that happen? You know, we spent you know 11 plus years. Uh, billions of dollars uh, invested into Afghanistan and their and their and their military and their government, etc. Why the fuck did that all fall apart in a week? And the answer is that we kind of fucked that up. Like that's us. We fucked it up, right? So I'll give you two presidents who fucked it up. It was Trump, um, and it was Biden. Honestly, uh, even though I do think that you know ultimately. It is George W. Bush's fault, and um, the UK minister at the time, which or the yeah, the UK minister at the time, which was which is Tony Blair. Um, I think it is both of their faults that of the Afghanistan war is as long as it is now. But the way that we pull out, uh, the way that we have handled the situation of pulling out of Afghanistan, and the the horrible job we've done of pulling out of Afghanistan is ultimately down to Trump and Biden's presidency. Um, and I'll explain why. In 2019, uh, you know, President Trump, he basically met with the Taliban in Qatar. So he invited them for peace talks, which is good. You know, you know, it seems on paper, you know, OK, yeah, he's trying to make peace with the Taliban, whatever. You know, you can take that either which way you want. But the problem with these peace talks is that it didn't involve the Afghan government. So it's 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 ultimately you know it, they're they're selling out on the Afghan Afghani government and that's how they felt right it's like pretend like you pretend like the U S is your best friend and 
and you know y- y'all do best friend shit you know what i'm saying y'all put each other on whatever you know y'all support each other shit like that right but all of a sudden your best friend goes and you know tries to talk to your ex and flirts with your ex and fucks your ex without telling you right without you, you have no idea that's going on right that's exactly what the fuck happened with the u.s and and uh, the afghani government and so obviously the afghani government's gonna be a little bit pissed off you know they're gonna be a little mad at the, the u.s government for going and, and talking with the Taliban for, for a peace treaty without involving them. That makes them look illegitimate. That makes them look like, uh, like a bitch, you know? So the problem with President Trump's peace talks with the, uh, with, with the Taliban was that he did it exclusively with the Taliban. And he made them a pretty sweet deal, man. He said that the Taliban has to give up, uh, has to give up power um, and the power to house Al Qaeda, ISIS, and and other terrorist groups that um, that are you know not not for, not in Afghanistan per se, but are would potentially go into Afghanistan and basically uh, and the Taliban would have to be like no, you can't come in your ISIS or Al Qaeda. Sorry that you know the U.S. told us not to, and the U.S. would uh, release a, a lot of a lot of uh, Taliban prisoners and. That would be the peace deal, and that would, then they would allow the U.S. to pull out safely, and that was basically the deal. And the Taliban, you know, they didn't like it, obviously, but the Afghani government didn't like it more. Um, and there was a lot of discourse in the deal, um, in, in the U.S. government itself, uh, between John Bolton and, and uh, Mike Pompeo, who was the Secretary of State at the time. And John Bolton was like, fuck no, we are not going to make a peace treaty with the Taliban, but Mike Pompeo was all for it. And so basically there was a lot of discourse um, in, in, in Trump's advisors and the Trump advisory um, and what he should do with these peace deals. But Mike Pompeo had the bright idea to invite the Taliban uh, and the Afghani government to a Camp David in the U.S. In the U.S. He was going to invite them to a Camp David, which is basically in the hills of Maryland, where, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, very famous deals have been done, you know, Palestine and Israel, um, etc., have been done in Camp David, and Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump were going to invite the Taliban, who is a terrorist group, who is a terrorist group in the eyes of the U.S. government, to the U.S. and house them, clothe them, feed them, all that shit, in the U.S., on U.S. soil, and the Afghan government is going to be there too. That's just the most, like, risky Shit, and this was all a week before the anniversary of 9-11 in 2019. Remember that. This is all a week before the, the anniversary of 9-11. So obviously this is like horrible optics. This is going to look so bad on the U.S. government. But it doesn't happen because of a car bombing. Um, basically what happened in Kabul was that there was a suicide car bombing which killed one American soldier. And the Taliban basically takes credit for this. Donald Trump says, no, we can't be in peace treaties anymore just because... Um, be, and, and it's justified, obviously, because, you know, the, they did kill a lot of people and one American soldier. So obviously the peace, the peace treaty deal is off. But ultimately, you know, it would have been bad optics. It would have been horrible because there was so much discourse and there was so much uh, conflict within, its, uh, with the, within the U.S. government on what they should do with this peace treaty, right? And so basically, what do, we, what do we have now after the peace treaty deals? We don't have a peace treaty, first of all. Obviously, that didn't work out. The Taliban knows that we want to pull out of Afghanistan, and the Afghanistan government doesn't trust us for shit, right? Because we went behind, we went behind their backs and fucked their ex, or they, we went behind their, their back and talked to the Taliban about a peace treaty without involving them.
So everyone is mad at the U.S. government and everyone is mad at each other. So this is a horrible ass situation that, you know, Trump and Mike Pompeo and the rest of the fucking you know, Trump presidency has let this in, which is great. And then uh, basically, later, you know, he fucks off because, you know, he loses the election to Biden. And so now is Biden's fucking job to pull us out of Afghanistan safely, um, which doesn't happen, obviously. It doesn't happen because we're living in it right now. We're living in the Biden pulling out of Afghanistan where, you know, you know, uh, about, I think it was like 15 uh, U.S. Marines have died so far. And, you know, thousands of people have died. You know, hundreds of people have been trampled at the airport station just trying to get their, um, their, their, their children uh, across into, you know, in, into the airport just to leave the country. It's a, it's a whole shit show. Um, there was this reporter, I forgot where he was from, but there was this reporter, he was trying to get out of, of, uh, of Afghanistan and, and out of Kabul and out of the Kabul airport. And he had to try, I think, five times to get out of, of Kabul just because people would latch onto his car. People would try to break his windows. People were giving them, giving him their child just to take across the airport and, Basically, he had to go to some secret CIA place to, to get helicoptered into, into into a different airport and then go to the U.S., obviously. But it just shows you the desperation these people are in and the way that the U.S. and the, the army has betrayed them and how it all has fallen apart so quick and so unexpectedly. And so Biden and Trump are, you know, they're both to blame for this. And now we're just going to get into how exactly the Taliban, you know, seemingly a, a terrorist group on the outskirts of Afghanistan. There is no way that the, it's, it's not possible for them to, you know, cross into major cities um, and, you know, take over Kabul and take over the government, you know. But they do in, in less than a week, in fact. And we're going to, you know, right now we're going to look at how they did that. So. We're going to resume after the peace treaty deal where everyone's mad at each other. You know, Trump kind of fucks the whole peace treaty deal up. And now we're kind of pulling out of Afghanistan. We're kind of not. But the point is that everyone knows that we want to pull out of Afghanistan. And that's where the panic sets in for the Afghani government. That's where the panic sets in for the Afghani military. So the first thing that happens is that the Afghani government does not trust the U.S. government anymore. And that is the number one problem. And so now that they're panicking, this creates opportunity for the Taliban to create discourse. It creates opportunity for them to take advantage of a corrupt Afghani government that we put in, by the way, a corrupt Afghani government that we put in. So, 2019 to summer 2020, this is the Taliban's plan. The Taliban's plan is to corrupt officials. It's to bribe people to join the Taliban side. It's to bribe you know, small cities, small villages, and a lot of the military who have not been paid by us, by the way, who have not been paid, and they're going to pay them, they're going to bribe them in order to come over to our side. And obviously, this doesn't work at first, but six months, nine months later with no pay because of, because the U.S. is, you know, they're, they're pulling out of Afghanistan. They're not, they're not going to invest any more money. They're not going to invest any more troops in Afghanistan, so they're not getting paid. The Taliban offers each person who comes to the Taliban side 
150 dollars you can make that much in a fucking working at fucking shoe palace for a week you know but that's what it takes in order for you to get a person from one side of uh, of the war to another in the in the afghanistan war and that's about you know to put that in perspective that's thirteen thousand dollars in afghani money so obviously that's a lot not too much but you know a decent amount and obviously it's enough for the military to turn to the Taliban side. And the reason that these the, the, the that the Taliban took over Afghanistan so quick is that because they made all of these um, over a long period of time. They made all of these bribes to officials, they made them to military personnel, and this was over I mean it was, it was over a year um, or close to it of people with no payments you know, you got to feed your family somehow, right? And if, you, if you're an Afghanistan soldier, think about it. You haven't paid in nine months. Um, and what, what do you do at that point? If the Taliban's offering you $13,000, what are you going to do? You're going to take that money and you're going to, you know, you don't want to fight, right? You don't want to fight for a country that's given up on you. So a lot of these villages, a lot of these small cities, the Taliban took over them without firing a single shot. They took over them without firing a single shot just because people were, you know, bribed off. They didn't care. Um, and they, they, were, they felt like the U.S. had given up, and they did. The U.S. did give up. And whose fault is that? And, I mean, it's a lot of people's fault. But mostly it's Trump and Biden's fault. Um, and that's basically who to blame, you know, right now for this, this, this horrible crisis that we're in of pulling out of Afghanistan and, you know, 100,000 people uh, trying to get out, it's, it's Trump and Biden. And, you know, as a culmination, as a result, as a result of, of all these problems of America privatizing an Afghanistan war that should have never happened, of America trying to rebuild a country it should have never rebuilt, or trying to, trying to get involved in something that it shouldn't have gotten involved in in the first place, or making this this peace treaty deal bullshit and leaving out the Afghani government and making them you know not trust us, or even you know uh, Biden basically coming up with the worst possible plan to pull out of Afghanistan. It's it's a culmination of all of these things that lead to tragic stories like like Zakir Anwari, women killing themselves in Kabul. People getting trampled on the way to the airport. There was a mother who saw her two-year-old child die in front of her because he got trampled uh, by people trying to get into the airport. People giving their children away to reporters just so that they can bring them back to America. They, they're willing to say goodbye to their children. And was the U.S. too greedy? Was the U.S. Uh, wrong in this? Yes, it, it, they were. But ultimately... It's, it's a tough situation that you have to be in if you're an official for the U.S. government, if you're a leader in the U.S. government. It's, it's tough to say what you have to do because ultimately you have to pull out, you know. There were social economic pressures to pull out of Afghanistan, but maybe we shouldn't have done it so quick. Or maybe we shouldn't have even been there in the first place. And that is my opinion on it. We should not have been there in the first place. We'd have gone in, killed the terrorists, which we did, but we stayed. And we wanted to rebuild. We wanted to make money off of something that we shouldn't have made money off of. And that's the truth. And that's the problem. 
And it's the problem with so many things in America where people are driven by, by greed, by money, by power, and ultimately it costs the lives of the innocent people and the lives of so many people who don't deserve to get hurt. That's it. Uh, that's it for the Afghanistan war. And that is it for the of, of, uh, of the um, Afghanistan episode. I know this was this was supposed to come out earlier, but uh, a few things changed with the whole uh, with the whole suicide bombing and, and the Marines dying, which is which is so tragic, and it, and it shouldn't have happened. And yes, it is Biden's fault, and it, yes, it is America's fault. But I don't know. There's there's no but. I mean, there's no excuse for that. But there is there is an end in sight. And honestly, there might be another Afghanistan episode where I go into more detail about how America privatized the war and uh, things like that. But that will do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening so much. And let me sure you share this podcast with your friends on Instagram, Snapchat, iMessage, all that shit. Uh, thank you guys, and thanks for listening. Fuck a do for the cash and take. They'll be 
Right across your head like it's an ass Wednesday. You got to just get off your ass like your ass is fake. <laughs> you can't sit. And if we ain't siblings, then I can't relate. Today's shit, I'm A-sit. I run shit. I got it jumping like Pompeii. I don't need nothing but one tape. I'm from the part of the city where young nigga keep a man like one plus eight. A politician of fuck fade. Corrupt like a dog pound gangster. We do it like a small town wager. Time to drop out major success stories I favor. Used to cover my scars out here trying to cover the fader. Yeah, Pro Tools, Nas, and the faders. Tail picks, Asalaam Alaikum. You ain't about static like AM radio. Ain't even playing. I put my heart in my all in my art. I'm arson it. All of them are the same. It's harder to tell them apart. Some days I thought I'd call him out all together rather than waste the amount of bars it'll take for me to call him out by name. You caught a glimpse of the alternate world I've introduced to you via the studio. Got him studying our mixtape. I'm from the hood like my mama. Put that on my mama. I laid the law down like parliament, all just with a pen and page. I make sacrifices, bloody sacrifices. Can't be everything to everybody. I want to be your lover, your best friend, your Batman, Spider-Man. Fight to pilot, shooting out your rivals in. I want to damn near kill you to be the one to heal you up. I want to be the one to fill you up. On nights when you need good, they just heal you up. I want to be the one to build you up. For all worth five billion bucks. Take you out the ride, ride, and the blah, blah, blah. So nobody's trying to steal your thunder. Pull your under. Toss my hoes out. Roll your rumble. We done moved out to the boondocks. Built a big house. There he wonders how some went along the way. Went from Huey to Eddie Wunster. I've been so disconnected. My perspective is ignorant. When you rich niggas don't want to correct you. Say something crazy, they won't interject. Do every drug that you want, they don't let you. Dangerous when there's nobody to check you. I be at to check myself. Niggas stop hoarding that money. You know you got plenty. I be at to spread my wealth. I used to be at the crib myself. Seven years old off a Red Boulevard where they bag of the raw. They go stand on the corner with hand on their balls. And they ran when the cops come. There go the laws. And I packed up a bag and I trapped it up north on a path of a star. And I ran into you. Like I met you before now, damn me, you going half on the boys sing. Hugging the block, hugging the block all day. I had nowhere to go. She gave me a place to stay. She gave me a heart to hold. I still got that shit to this day. She riding with me on the road. She riding with me in the A. Hugging the block, hugging the block, okay. She gave me the gift for my son. And plus, we got one on the way. She gave me a family to love, but that I can never repay. I'm crying while writing these words. The tears they feel good on my face. Hey. Yesterday could feel just like a waste, yeah. If I don't love you, I'm supposed to. And yesterday could feel just like a waste, yeah. If I don't love you, I'm supposed to. I make sacrifices. 